Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes, and we are going to take a sharp turn today. No picks today, but what we're going to do is talk a little bit about Las Vegas, the old Las Vegas, organized crime, corporate Las Vegas. We've got a lot of things to talk about, but PlayUp Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. PlayUp.com is your one-stop destination. For all things sports betting, sign up for an account and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. And I got to tell you, my guest is a a very fascinating young fella. His name is Wayne Klingman. He's a longtime fan of history, both the kind they teach and, you know, the ones that they try to keep hidden. Those kind of things. Wayne lives in a 115-year-old house in Racine, Wisconsin with his wife four Malamutes, and a cat that controls his life. He's also the producer of Milwaukee Mafia, Frank Ballastieri, amongst many books, many uh, how-to books. Wayne, you've done it all. What's up, man? What's up is I'm here with a great guy. How can my day possibly get better? Yeah, when you hang up the phone, it'll automatically get better. (laughs) (laughs) How's things, though, man? It's nice to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. How's the life in in Wisconsin? Well, we're going from winter to spring, so it's still kind of cold. It's kind of yucky out. We had an ice storm yesterday, but Saturday it's going to be 40 some degrees, so you can't complain. Can't complain. It's going to be the same way here in New York City, and it's probably going to rain and windy and crazy, but that's, that's... that's just the way it is. It's spring. We've got things to look forward to. And what my listeners and I all want to know is how did you get your start into the Mr. Big Talks? Sure. Into the sure. books, into the mafia history. Go ahead and tell us how uh, this well, all began. How that started is a few years ago, I had an opportunity with a friend of mine to make a movie and on subject, uh, subject that was interesting to both of us. And we decided if we want to do one, uh, one of the Wisconsin serial killers such as Ed Gein or Jeffrey Dahmer, or do something more different. And we thought, we thought, we thought, we thought, you know, we have this guy up here in Milwaukee, but Frank B., who last name I can't pronounce well, let's do a movie on him. And, I, and so we thought that was a really good movie. Let's do a short documentary and put, put together something of interest, because a lot of people don't know anything about Frank. In doing so, we submitted for Freedom Information Act requests with the FBI on him, and after the movie was done, we got the records. And I'm thinking, you know, we have enough here for a book. So I thought, what the hell, let's try one. So we did. I did, absolutely, with, with um, Mr. Zach Law. Absolutely, great book, great time. I learned so much, and Frank has opened up so many doors for me. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, uh, Frank was a well-known character. 
I was in Vegas uh, from 1983 to 2002. So I've heard the stories too. So when you look at the life of, say, a Frank Balestieri, what did you discover that maybe others didn't know about well, him? Well, interesting. Frank, in my opinion, my strong opinion, Frank was a mover and a shaker of the later days of the skim. If it wasn't for Frank, we would not have Alan Glick and the Argent Corporation with their endeavors in the city of Las Vegas. That would have never happened. Because Frank was the person that put Alan Glick in, charge, in touch with Jimmy Hoffa, right? Mm-hmm. Which opens up all kinds of questions. Why would a millionaire such as Alan Glick, a man as smart as they come, I'm told, right? Right. Not do the due diligence and figure out who this guy was the neck in my door trying to introduce me to Jimmy Hoffa. I pick up the phone and call my state security people if I was into gambling and say, hey, what do you know about this guy? He would have known. He should have known, with any, in my opinion, any sort of due diligence that Frank was a member of the mafia, a powerful member of the mafia with big hooks into the outfit and the state of the hell away. Well, no, Mr. Glick took that money, eagerly took that money, hired one of his sons to be his corporate attorney, too. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting to say the least. Yeah, it seems that way. And yeah. You know what, though? There were a lot of, I guess they would call them squares, who were fascinated by these guys, who were people of means and who could find out things, and they really didn't care. They were attracted to the power that these guys had. Yeah. And that's something that they're, these some of these people's money couldn't buy. Well, you think that, Mr. Click is dead. He can't defend himself. Right. I mean, that guy attacking him so much. But you look at any part of history, you find out that people like Johnny Handsome, Johnny, uh, right? Uh, Johnny Roselli, right? When he had the opportunity to save his friends in Hollywood from being scammed with the Friar Club Jim Remy scandal, he didn't, he didn't save any of them. In fact, he took money from them. You think any t- or um, you think any amount of research would have come with this information? He would have been common knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. You would know better, but I think you're right that people like being attracted to the dangerous kind of a guy that they can hang out with and maybe get some power associated because they know this guy, must, he must be powerful too. I don't know. It's interesting to see all these. You know what, what I can say from personal experience is that folks like to say, I can make that phone call. You know, that one where I can rub you out. You know, that fictional phone call because these guys sure. ain't going to do nothing for nobody unless there's something in it for them. There's that. I mean, people people like to pretend they have power if they don't. or Because um, if you really have that amount of power to do something horrific like that, well, I hope you're not, not using it, right? But well, I think that's, I think when you become rich and famous, you like to think you have that power. I think you're right in that, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, because I remember a lot of these people. That's why I say that. Um, and I play tennis with a lot of those folks. So, you know, I have a different experience. But... Uh, Talk about some of your books, like Mr. Big Talks. You have a series of books called Mr. Big Talks. I do. And you talk about how people can play blackjack, craps, Texas Hold'em. I, I have the same type of thing for sports betting. Go ahead and tell us how you got into that, because well, these are fascinating. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. I found out that most, no offense meant to anybody, because I'm naive. I'm extremely naive, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I know I'll do a better job if I know the basic rules, right? Right. So I thought, a lot of people don't know the basic rules. Let's do a series of books 
at least teaching somebody going to Vegas the first time, even going to the local Indian casino for the first time. If you know the basic rules, you know, your bank roll is going to last longer. Because your bank roll might be lasting a little bit longer, you might have a more of enjoyable time, right? What are the basic rules that you might want to know to have that bank roll last longer so you have that enjoyable time, right? Especially when it comes to slot machines. The fact that you use, you use your player's card so the casino can keep track of you, because they want to do that, so they can make sure you get the camps that you deserve, right? I think it's well worth using. But many people think, for some reason, if they use that player's card, it makes them some type of knob. No, it, it only gives the casino an excuse to give you things. So it's the basic everyday rules that many, many people don't know that I think people should. You know, those cards are interesting because when I went to Vegas, when I first got there, there weren't any. And, no. and the, that started with corporate America because yep. organized crime America, who controlled most of the strip, they didn't need to do those things. They didn't need to know. They didn't need a card to tell you you could get a dinner because that was the first thing they were interested in is giving you something. Yes. It, whether you played or not. Okay, right. maybe okay, maybe that was a little broad, but my I guess my point is is there's a big difference between today's Vegas and their Vegas. And, and thankfully I've been in both and I can comment on. And what I can tell you is is that hospitality in the 80s uh, there was nothing like it. Uh the bartenders, the dealers, the pit bosses, they all knew their customers. Yes. They called them by their first names. You know, they would see a guy sitting at the machine playing, and they'd walk over and just write him out a comp for dinner and didn't give a rip. Yeah. Now, you got it. You almost have to beg to get a free cocktail while you're playing, and you could sit there for a long time waiting. I think it's disgusting that you have to sit by and play a game for a long time before you get a drink that costs to conceal virtually nothing. Right, I think that's disgusting. It's a poor, poor, poor idea of customer service. You're absolutely correct, sir. You give the guy something. You make him think he's welcome. You prove to him that he's welcome. He's going to stay. He's going to come back. He's going to tell his friends. He's going to bring his friends with him. That's how you gain that long-term loyalty base. They're going to stay. They're going to play. They're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that, pardon me, that they stay at your place and spend as much money as they possibly can and come back and do it again. We lose or draw. Well, that's just it. I, I can tell you a funny story. When I, I first got there, I was 18 years old. I had injured my knee. I'm doing my thing, teaching tennis for the boys. And uh, long story short, I, I was walking through the casino lobby one day. I believe it was actually at the Frontier. One of them, anyway. And I, and I ran into Frank, who was my boss, Frank Rosenthal, who was my boss. Really? Yeah. And anyway, he he I asked him. He was smiling. And I said... Hey, man, that guy just took you for 70 large. How can you be smiling? And he said, because I'm going to get it all back. Watch, kid. You know, because they played the long game. Yeah. You know, they understood their business. They wanted to see you win. You know, there's a, there was this funny thing about Vegas, how fast it grew, and it did. You know, there was a time, I believe in the mid-90s, where there were 200,000 people moving in every month. But what they didn't talk about were the 200,000 people leaving. And one of the reasons that people moved out there was because they did hit it. They did hit a jackpot. And they thought that they could come back, move, go home, sell their stuff, move to Vegas and become professional sports bettors or professional gamblers. And a lot of them went bust in the night. But, uh, sure. but the winners, 
you know, they. I don't remember people being kicked out for winning. I remember people being kicked out for cheating, and I, I saw plenty of that. But yeah. winning, I never did. did. In your travels, in your studies of Frank Ballastieri, how did uh, did when you talk about the skim, how did the skim become such a big part of Vegas? Well, there's all the money involved, and pretty much all the money involved. The fact that the government doesn't want you to take a dime will stick it to 10 cents too, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because the government found out how much money they were losing in taxes that made them really interested how much money was being skimmed out. Also, it didn't help help either that when it comes to the Kansas City mob and the Milwaukee mob, that the FBI really wanted them for other things as well. And they saw the skim as a perfect opportunity to put them in prison. If they can't get you for prison, right, they can't get you for murders, they can't get you for loan sharking, they might be able to get you for tax evasion. And so that's how they get you. Evasion? Yeah. I mean, that's how they brought down Kansas City. That's how they got Frank, you know, the, the, from the skin. They couldn't get him for anything else. You know, and both both groups are involved with plenty of murders. Yeah, they, that's, for, that's for sure. And, and I want to make it perfectly clear that while I, I do speak highly of some of the gentlemen that uh, Wayne and I are talking about, I also uh, don't. I, the, the, that part of their life, that other part of their life, I don't condone that. Right. Uh, no. I mean, they, no. those are, but I got to tell you that in the 17 years that I worked for the boys, I guess you want to say, and even when it was the Sheraton, I was still working for the boys. And at the end of the day, I never had one issue with them, not one. But then I understood from a very early age that it's probably best to just do your job and, and to do what you do. And I was friendly with them, but distance too, because quite frankly, I was a kid. They were grown men, and they were also different from me in a lot of different ways. And, and but man, I got to tell you, when it came to hospitality, guys like Frank Bellastieri, if he would have found out someone was uh, waiting a half hour or an hour to get a drink, or <laughs> had to yeah. pay a resort fee, he yeah. would have lost his mind. Yes, they would have, and then some. I mean, we look at what they did for the customers, people coming to the casinos and playing. They did everything they possibly could do. You know, some of the crimes, that petty crimes that I hear go on around the casinos anymore today wouldn't be happening. Wouldn't be happening um, when it comes to Vegas. Because those people, the pit pockets, the petty thieves, would be gone. Maybe they get escorted to the bus, bus station, sent, sent a given bus ticket and go, and maybe they get driven out in the desert and never get seen again. The criminals, the petty criminals, wouldn't be around. It would not have been dealt with. There, there were some on the strip. Occasionally you would see them. But I tell you, I have a funny story. And this revolves around former Mayor Jan Jones. When the Rodney King riots were happening, there were problems in North Las Vegas. And she cordoned off North Las Vegas. And she said, if you want to destroy your city, you can start with your own, your own neighborhoods. You're not coming out of here. And if she'd have done that today... They'd be flipping out, but yeah. it really saved Vegas because they were headed toward the Strip, and that was right after uh, a lot of the fellas that we've talked or, or were talking about, are talking about, will be, had already been either killed or locked up or whatever, but that was the type of town it was. You weren't allowed to do stuff like that. You weren't allowed to be the foolishness that you see now. Like I was, Wayne, I was watching a video this morning. Of a lady who uh, got her backside grabbed by a gentleman, uh, and I use that term loosely, 
and the casino manager, no well, one seems to want to be able to help her. I can assure you if such a thing happened in those days, in the 80s, 70s, there would have been an entirely different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't do those things. It's disgusting that people think they have a right to do that today. Uh, but back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, that never would have happened. Or the or 80s even. Uh, they, the guys were still around up until about 93, 94, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, in and out, as you know, in and out. They weren't living there primarily, but they were still around, if you know what well, I mean. I do, indeed. In fact, we know there's, there's elements of, I will uh, believe that there's elements of Buffalo there now, but not so much in the casinos, but running um, boiler rooms, which is another subject, perhaps for another day. Right. Um, but, but the idea is that the mafia will always be around in some city in some sort forever, right? But at the time that we're talking about now, in the heyday of Vegas, the Sin City, the bullshit would, excuse the language. That's okay. The bullshit would never have been put up with, right? No. You know, you, know, you can flirt with a girl, fine. You touch the girl, you're gone. You touch a girl, you say something stupid, you're gone. Yeah, unwanted you know? advances. Yeah, unwanted advances, you're out of there. And if you, do, and if you give them a hard time, <laughs> they'll give you one right back and then some. You don't cheat. You know, I can tell you more than one story. And writing because I was in that third and I didn't see it. When some of the casino owners, excuse me, when some of the casino owners were generous to people, lost every penny that they had. Sometimes they helped them get that bus ticket out of town with the idea, right. you know, look, we're going to help you go, go back home safely, but we never want to see you again because you have a problem. We, we don't know what to deal with. Yeah, that's, right? that's something I, I, I personally witnessed. I witnessed, uh, you know, back in those days, you could sell your plane ticket to the cashier cage and get you and get money for it. And obviously, the gamble try to get your money back. And at some point, you would be busted out and you wouldn't have any way to go home. So, you know, they would give you a bus ticket and also pack you a lunch. And yeah. because you know what? That's the least they could do because they just took you to the cleaners. And, uh, that's part of the casino business. Is it is take it. And as long as it was something else that you said about them, and it's true, as long as there are vices, there'll always be organized crime somewhere looking to profit off of it, whether it's La Cosa Nostra or any of the others. But sports betting, you know, Frank Rosenthal was one of yes. the very, he brought the first sports book to Las Vegas at the Stardust. And, uh, but actually, that wasn't his idea. I, I believe it was Bugsy Siegel who originally came up with the idea, and then after he got stuffed, then uh, the boys, the Chicago outfit, came in and, and ran that sports book out of out of Stardust. Correct? No. Well, Bugsy, um, if you're talking about the Ration Wire, he was he had control of that long before he hit Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, interesting thing about the Ration Wire is Bugsy inherited all of it more or less. Because the boys in Chicago, to give him his, to give him a nice present, murdered the other man that owned a competing racing wire, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're the only survivor with the only wire left, you kind of out of the game, right? I mean, sports book gambling can be a fun place to do when you want to go there and gamble. It can be a deadly, deadly business if you want to own a casino and do some of these other things. I mean, people get killed all the time back in the day. Look at the gambling ships off the coast of California. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's a fact. But um, so now Bugsy, when, when Bugsy Siegel came to Vegas, he saw this 
paradise yes. in front of him. He did. He had a vision that very few had. It was just nothing but a dust mop. I've heard the stories. Um, what made him such a, a polarizing figure? Because you talk about him too, right? I do, but not in the book. Uh, Bugs and Seagull, <laughs> Billy Wilkinson should get a lot more credit than he gets. Billy Wilkinson is the man that invented Vegas, not mm-hmm. Bugs and Seagull. Uh, what Vegas and Seagull did is he strong-armed Mr. Wilkinson away. But Mr. Wilkinson had a huge gambling problem, a huge, huge, huge gambling problem. He was known as a degenerate gambler, a degenerate gambler in, um, Los, I'm sorry, in Los Angeles. And they told him to go to Vegas and open up his own casino because if he was going to lose money, he must lose money to himself, right? Mm-hmm. Bugsy found out about him, found out about his, his money problems, made him an offer he couldn't refuse, actually strong-armed Mr. Wilkinson out of his own casino, which was the Flamingo, which, of course, Wilkinson named, not Bugsy Seagull, and not because of Virginia Hill. The rest is history. One of the things that people don't realize when it comes to Bugsy Seagull is that around the time of his death, there's at least two set investigations going on where they were looking at Bugsy Siegel manipulating the... After the Second World War, you had to get permits to get materials because the GIs coming back from the war wanted homes. And those those materials were allocated. And Bugsy Siegel was bribing his way to get those materials that should have been gone to GIs' homes. The Senate was looking into that, big time. And if they looked into it long enough, they would find out that Bugsy was involved it would have been very, very difficult for the, for the mob to get away from that situation because they're so connected with Bugsy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he was more, by that time, between the money that was missing and the fact he was getting into all kinds of trouble in Vegas because of Wilkinson, because of manipulation of mineral materials, the easiest way to, get, to deal with him was to get rid of him. So they did. And they did. And they did. did. Now, I've heard some different tales of that, but, you know, we'll stick with yours. That, that yours seems as consistent as any. But, you know, one of the things that I, I was in Vegas recently, like three weeks ago, the last time I had been there was when I left in 2002. I went to Greece to teach tennis, as you know. But uh, at the end of the day, one of the things that I noticed was the big difference. And the first thing I thought to myself was, what would Frank say about what is occurring in Vegas today as opposed to when they were running the show what would Bugsy Siegel say today, you think? Or what would Frank Ballastieri say today well, we about the Vegas go, here? We can go to even the, the foreigners. We can go to Dalitz. We can go to any of the beginning. Even um, Bugsy Siegel, not Bugsy Siegel, Marlansky. They've mm-hmm. been disgusted. Yeah, you have to make money. You have to make that profit. You you have to. you got to pay the bills. But there's ways to do it. I mean, to think that, in my opinion, to think that when is looked at it's admiration. It's disgusting because I when, don't admire him. <laughs> I don't admire him either. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in my opinion, when it's a disgusting human being, look at what happened to him in, in New Jersey, simply trying to get licensed. All the shit that came out about him is in activities even back in those days. And yet he got to Vegas. He was able to get by with literally almost murder. If you believe the stories about him and like Mead, um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, you, you have the money, you can pay for good publicity, but it's not the same thing. The idea that a corporation treats people like numbers, to, in my opinion, it's disgusting. Treat people like people, right? If you want to take the money, take the money. But at the end of the day, treat them like people. Well, I tell you, I can tell you a funny story, a lot of stories about that, actually, because I, I work for both. And, and what I could, I remember when, when the Sheraton took over. 
and I and we used to give out drinks to people all the time. Um, I was a tennis director, so I could do that. You know, I had the permission to do whatever I needed to. I lived there. I lived there for a long time. That was thanks to Tony Arcardo. But that's another story <laughs> for another day. But at the end of the day, I remember the manager of the casino at the time telling me, he goes, you can't give out so many drinks anymore. I said, what do you mean I can't give out so many drinks? I said, we give them out all the time. The guy just played tennis for two hours today. I just saw him in a bar. What, I'm going to take it out of my own pocket? I'm trying to be hospitable like I was taught to be. And, and that's not the case because the only thing the corporations care about is the bottom line. Yeah. Look at what's going on now. They're actually charging people by the hour to park in parking garages yes, in Las are. Vegas. They are. And you had to look hard for people that are not doing those things. I think um, Derek Stevens is, is a good example of somebody who's looking the other way, trying to do things back in the old way would have done. Right, right, right. right. And the Circa is doing that. Um, Absolutely. I mean, the Circa, the Golden Gate, you know, the D, the whole nine yards, I think his close places really combine the spirit of the old days. Let's take care of the customer. Let's take care of the gambler. Let's make sure the guy comes here and have a nice time. Maybe he can only come here once in his life. Yeah, we're going to try to get his money from him. Let's show him as good a time as we can. I'll tell you what. If I'm at the D, I'm playing blackjack, or I'm playing craps, right, and I have a girl dance, one of the dancing dealers in front of me, right, who's, who's nicely dressed, I'm going to be playing my game. I'm going to treat her courteously as I possibly can be. At the end of the day, I'm going to give her a nice tip because she's just as smart of the part of the entertainment as playing dice are or playing cards is. It's an interaction between a dancing dealer or a cowgirl at Binion's that makes my day. That makes me want to go to Vegas. That makes me want to come back to Vegas. Well, it's all part of the thing. You're right. You know, there were yes. now there were lots of chip hustlers. Uh, Frank Rosenthal married one. But, yes, uh, but but at the end, I, now I never met her. She was dead before while I was still in high school. Um, I got there in 1983. She passed, I believe, in 81. But uh, there were all kinds of those people. And, and believe me, there were people who were providing and, and, and what serving just about anything that you wanted. You know, yeah. it was an adult playground. It's, 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 it's not that way anymore. It's a, please, uh, pet peeve, don't bring your kid to the casino after 10 o'clock at any time, even walk your kid through in the daytime and say, this is what a casino looks like, Johnny. That's great. Go for it, right? But at night, when the adults come down to play, get the kids out. Get the kids the hell out. Kids you know, that's the other thing is is people talk about these gentlemen that we've been referring to as bad guys. But you know what? If you paraded a kid through that casino after 9 o'clock at night, you would have pro- they would have asked you politely to... Uh, Please not do that again. Yeah. It's not for you. It's not for him or her to see, and it's none of their business what they do. We'll let them wait till they're older, right? But I mean, so- but the, you should. But the thing is, though. But here's the thing, Wayne: is you'd be surprised at how many parents objected to that. Well, wait. I paid for my room and whatever, and this is the only way to get out. And they would say, "Listen, we understand that, but we don't need your 13 year old or 10 year old son." standing behind you, behind the rope, while you're playing Baccarat. Right. All right, 4 o'clock in the morning, when you're too drunk to do anything else, we don't want your kid crying for going to bed. Right, or uh, or get, or come up missing, and we are responsible for that child. Yeah, because yeah. you would be, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you'd think the parents 
throughout time would have known that. But Christ, my parents, I grew up in a bar. I know the pain of being a child in a bar late at night with drunk parents. Trust me, I don't want to see that pain on another child's face again in the rest of my living life. And I most of them would agree with you, by the way. Most of the people that we've been talking about, would all of them actually, would have agreed with you. And more, right. more likely, they would have said some funny things about the parents afterwards. Yeah. You know, very I mean, judgmental at times. But Vegas has changed. And, and, and for the changed. good, maybe. For the bad, probably. There are bl- great places. But what do you think Frank Bellistieri would say if his sports book director called him up or called to the boss who called him? Because Frank never talked to anybody directly. What do you think he would say, Wayne? To some, to his sportsbook manager, who says, "I'm not going to let this guy bet any longer because he's winning." I think that the guy would have been fired. Let the guy bet. I, I, do you know? Uh, do you know Sp- uh, Sparky is by chance? Who? You probably do, right? You know the things he's talked about being not allowed to bet. Come oh, on, Sparky! Let the guy bet. Yeah, let yeah, the guy sure. bet. You know that's to think that. Not let people bet because they might win. I'm sorry. I want you to win. I want you to win. Tell your friends because they're not going to win. And you can't win consistently throughout time. It's a physical, mathematical impossibility. I want your money. I'm here for the long haul, as you said yourself, right? And as you wait, buy the drink, buy the T-shirt. Hey, by the way, let me buy you lunch. You know, hey, buy a T-shirt. How are you here? That's also all about money-making ideas they should know about and encourage, but they don't because they only think of the short term. I should say not all, not all of them by chance, right? But most of them think that way. Well, that's cor- I mean, that's the corporate. You know, they have stockholders that they have to answer to, and we understand and respect that. But you know what? You don't. What they don't realize is they don't understand their business. No, they don't. They because don't. if they did, they would understand a very simple phrase: "The house always wins." The house will always win in the end. You've got your spankies and, and fats who comes on this show and others that come on this show that are professional sports bettors who over time have beaten the sports books. And, and you're going to have that. But for every spanky that beats me, I know that 99 more yeah. won't. And I can make my money off those 99 and still pay off spanky or whoever. Because he's the best advertising you possibly can have. I mean, sure, he goes I mean, on Twitter. He kills him on Twitter every day. So why not let the guy bet and let let his people bet? I mean, the nicest thing I've ever had happen to me on Twitter so far to date. One of the nicest things is when Derek Stevens followed me back. Why am I a big guy that go to Vegas with a lot of money? No, I'm not. Right, I'm some little guy with a little Twitter account. But every so often, I thank him for doing what he does for Vegas. I tell people what a nice place his clubs are to go to. I want people to go to his clubs. I want people to go to opinions. I want people to go to whatever it might be. that might, might see things in a good place to play at and play there. Am I helping people go to Vegas? God, I hope so. I hope as I do my vintage crime blotter for Vegas Never Sleeps, I hope I'm encouraging people to go to Vegas and have a good time, to have that historical experience of, hey, I'm going to pretend for this weekend I am Bugs the Seagull. I'm going to go here and I'm going to play some game. Right. Well, there you go. That's exactly go right. But we also want them to understand that Vegas is different, though. Yeah. And yeah. like when I say something about Vegas and people look at me funny, it's because they don't understand the Vegas I understand and experience and was a part of. 
and the same kind of uh, Vegas that Frank Bellastieri uh, profited greatly from. Yeah, and, and those guys oh. did. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with that either. No, no. I mean, to, to me, to me, my perfect world, right? My perfect world. Uh, it may not have my perfect world, right? There's mm-hmm. two things I'm going to do left in my life, right? I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to either get a house there for the weekend or find a hotel room. Let me do this. And I, what I'm going to call is Mr. Big's Tapless Tournament, per, ter, po, Tapless Poker Tournament, where a girl without a tap on dealing some type of a poker game with a bunch of guys, right, that will live stream it and raise some money and give it some charity, right, but have a nice time doing so, right? It won't be adult entertainment. I mean, the girl may be treated nicely. There won't be any silliness going on, right? Mm-hmm. But yet, she be tapless. People be doing, doing silly things, right? But people be having a good time. You know, charity, to raise money for charity, I think it'd be a racking cool idea. I think right? so, too. That sounds like a great idea. You know where you could have done that years ago would be Binion's. Yes. Because Benny Binion was a fascinating character. I he used was. to I used to teach a lot of his VIPs, and, and his son Teddy was something else. Yeah. And I, I played tennis with the girl who basically had him killed. So I mean, yeah. well, his money. I mean, but, so but, but that was Vegas, though, right? I mean, that is part of Vegas. His son is interesting too, because my daughter died of a heroin overdose, right? Mm-hmm. His son died, well, I think he was poisoned by his girlfriend via heroin, right? But it goes to show that anybody's family can be affected by the horrific drug epidemic that we have in this country, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he sold so many. I think Benny Bunyan Benny, Benny himself could be called the last gun-fighting card shark. I would say that would be pretty pretty darn close. You know, the thing, too, is is that the gamblers, the real ones, the professionals— respected the people who ran the casino and yeah. ran the club and ran the sports book and vice versa. Yes. You don't see that that much any longer no, today. You don't. Um, no, you don't. You might, you'll see it at Circa. Uh, no. If you go to New Jersey, you'll see it at PlayUp. Uh, okay. You'll see it maybe at a couple others. Uh, but a lot of these companies, they're losing money because they refuse to take bets, because they refuse to be hospitable. Because they charge an enormous fee, just a, a resort fee. What is a resort fee, man? It's called that having high room prices. You know, it's, it's a scam. To me, I don't know if I can even legally do this again, but I suspect that Mrs. Big could probably put together a junket of 100 people go to Vegas and do something what I would call the organized crime junket weekend, right? Go to, say, El Cortez, which has that history with the map. Yeah, oh, that's one of my favorite places. Right, it's go there and play. You know, bring a hundred people. Right, buck up the rooms. Bring hundred people to play the games. Go to whatever places we want to go. There's a couple gun ranges down there. We can get Thompson some machine guns to rent. Right, have that experience. Right, have that experience. That's an experience that people would pay money to have. Same thing with Detroit. I can do the Purple Gang tour in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, you give me some seed money. I'll put together a Purple Gang tour. I'll make all kinds of money back and then some. People want that historical experience. They want that period of time to pretend, to be educated. People love to be educated on a subject they think are forbidden. Absolutely. So give us three reasons why we should purchase, and I think that you should, purchase your, your products. Because you've got sure. a number three of reasons. products here, dude. Thank you. Three, three reasons why you want to get my book and Frank. One, 
It's a good starting point to learn about the Mafia history in the city of Milwaukee, too. It's a good starting point even to learn about the Mafia and how it, how it started, how it existed, how you make money being a Mafia also, how people were attracted to that life and what that life might have been like. Three, when you get my Mr. Big books, Mr. Big's talk books, I will tell you right up front, reading those books will not make you money. It will not happen. But I'll tell you this, too. If you only buy Mr. Big Talk traps, it will pay for itself simply by the use of the Flares card. If you get these books, you'll at least make the money back from reading those books that it costs you to buy them. That I'll guarantee. Because if you read those books and go even to your local Indian casino and play by the rules, at least you get camped back the money you've spent for the book. That I'll guarantee. That I'll put in writing. That sounds great. Now tell us where we can find your podcast. Uh, my podcast, interesting. I do a couple of them. Yeah, a couple call, of them. Yeah, sure. I do. I, I do one on something called, I do one called Mr. Big. Um, I can't even have my own thing. But you can find me, the best way you can find me is on Twitter. I'll tell you this much. The best way you can find me is on Twitter, which is at the Milwaukee Mob. And I live on Twitter. And you can find my webpage there, which is themilwaukeemob.com. And you can see most of my books there. You can watch my movie there as well. Um, yeah, that's the best way to get hold of me is by my Twitter, or you can email me at wcoingman at wi.r.com. That's wcoingman at wi.r.com. You can hear me do something called uh, Mr. Big Ventures Vegas Crime Blotter on a radio show called Vegas Never Sleeps. That's awesome. Congratulations you, on all the hard work. Thanks for being here, man. It's been a pleasure yeah. having you on the show, dude. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's, I'd love to come back here again. There's so many more, more things to talk about. Absolutely. But in the meanwhile, you should head on over to Amazon.com and find all of Wayne's books, his products, his movie. You can find him at, or on Twitter, at The Milwaukee Mob. Contact him if you got any questions, and he'll be happy to answer them. All the links to Wayne's stuff will be in the show notes. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We want to thank Wayne for being here. We want to thank PlayUp.com, PlayUp Sportsbook, for presenting the Phil Nation Show. Head on over to PlayUp.com and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. And speaking of bets, all picks made on the Phil Nation Show are tracked at BetStamp.app. I'm even running a monthly special $9.99 for all my picks. You should head on over there and check it out. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves, be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.